All right, awesome. Okay, so today we're going to be, again, coming from the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 1 and chapter 2. I would encourage everyone that as soon as we are finished here that you kind of go back and read. Um, It's a very important uh, book in the life of a believer. Um, It's one of the most poignant books that we as believers um, read. Uh, It's very important to our Christian faith, important to our Christian walk. And like I said, over the next uh, few weeks, we're going to be in the book of Galatians. Um, And today we're going to be focusing on the one true gospel, the one true gospel, Um, Galatians chapter 1 and chapter 2. And it's important for us to understand this particular book because not only does it explain to us who Paul was as a minister, as an apostle, but it also provides us with some insight as to how the gospel reached to us as Gentiles, right? Um, And so we're going to be going into that um, and we're going to be explaining certain things as we go through. Um, As always, we're not going to be reading a particular scripture per se. Uh, We may point out some things. So if you want to have a piece of paper or a notebook handy so that you can take notes uh, because, you know, we're going to go through it relatively quickly. Uh, So if we start with Chapter 1, we're going to look at Paul. Um, Paul describes himself as an apostle. And I was saying to senior pastor before, you know, this particular um, session that we can really draw from Paul the apostle because he was not part of the original 12. He was called um, in a different manner, in a different way. Uh, He didn't walk with Jesus, so to speak. He didn't particularly, um, he wasn't a part of Jesus' inner circle. Um, He was actually on the other side. He persecuted the church. Um, He was considered to be a murderer. Uh, He persecuted Christians. He persecuted anybody who was affiliated with Jesus. And we, many of us know the story of his conversion how he was on his way to persecute Christians and he was accosted by Jesus Christ and he was blinded and the rest is history. That's just his conversion in a nutshell. And senior pastor, we were talking about this, how every conversion or every calling is different. Um, For me, when I was called, I was very young at the age of seven or eight. Um, I yielded the call um, when my mother, right, uh, preached that Sunday morning, and I confessed Jesus as my Savior and Lord. Um, can you talk a little bit about the conversion process, how different people, um, when they come to God, 
you know, how things are so different for everyone. Why is that? Yes, and it's, 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 it's different in that you don't have to be at a special place for him to call you. Um, he testified earlier of being over there washed tub. As some, some in, in when I was growing up, they used to go by the riverside because they didn't have washing machines and um, dryers like we have now. So they used to go by the riverside with the clothes and they would wash them, put the soap in, wash it, and use a stick to beat them out. And while they were there, you know, doing their chores and uh, summing a little song or something, the Lord would appear to them. Um, he appeared to Moses at the burning bush. You know, so people get saved in different ways. There's no special way for your calling. Um, you don't have to be a special person to be called. Um, they teach us in Bible school that the Lord does the calling and the individual knows that they are called. So you need to know your calling and I, we don't need to take it lightly. The calling is of God. Perhaps you were kneeling at an altar. Perhaps you were driving on a bus. Perhaps you were in the classroom. Perhaps you, one man went to a dance and the Spirit of the Lord appeared to him in a secular dance and um, he went home weeping and found himself in church after that. Um, one person told me last week how they just went to church with his girlfriend and um, the preacher just raised a song and signaled him to come out and he came out and he accepted the Lord. The important thing is that you need to rejoice because he has passed several other persons to come to your door. So don't take it lightly. We all want to go to heaven. So abide in your calling. Thank the Lord that you are counted worthy. Well, worthy is not even the word to use. Just thank the Lord that um, he sees fit to call you out of sin because we were all born in sin and shaping iniquity. And then send it our mother conceive us. We have talked about that all the time. So, you know, we are blessed that he has called us out of sin. Rejoice in your calling and be faithful to him. In whatever you're asked to do in the church, you're not doing it for the pastor. We're doing it for the Lord. Respect Amen. And one, of, and one of the things that we have a hard time, especially in these times is explaining that to our, our young people um, because today, you know, I often compare the church today versus the church back then. Um, the, the, the church or the institution of the church was the centrist to government, to society, um, to rules, to regulations, to morality. And, and we can see in today's society that, that things are changing, um, that the church is almost like a side note. Um, the church is almost like uh, something, a place to go to. Uh, it's not a part of everyone's life anymore. People don't really pick up their Bible and really read um, and I'm not quite sure how the church can respond to that because, you know, we talked about living in the last days. But how can we reach out to our young people in order to get them to understand their belief 
as a Christian, how should they stand, even in the midst of, you know, studying to be lawyers and doctors and having these secular, um, these secular jobs and advancing in them, how can they hold to their belief as a Christian and stay true to their calling? Well, it's, it's faith in Jesus Christ. Um, nobody gave you that salvation. When you accepted him, you either knelt at an altar, or like I said, I outlined just now how the calling takes place. It don't have to be in a, at a certain place. You could be just driving along and listening to the radio. might not even be a gospel song. And the hear the voice of the Lord, he always speaks in a still, small voice. And um, when we were young, the difference between back then and now is that we knew nothing else but church. Where I was growing up, um, we had one gentleman who had a bakery, who had some um, race horses. And once or, or, so, or certain times when, um, like Christmas, they used to have horse racing and we couldn't even go. But there was not a lot of things to distract us. You had to go to church. In my mother's house, you had to go to church. There was no excuse. Even if you were not feeling well, you must be sick to death for you to get to stay home. If you just have a headache, like how people stop from church now, she would say, no, go to church and we'll have the pastor to pray for you. You know, they took church seriously. And um, yes, it is true that some things that they did were unconventional, you know, perhaps but not even in the Bible, but they were so careful to protect the good name of the church and to protect what the Lord has given them. So yes, sometimes they went overboard. In in my time, you couldn't even talk to a sister without being accused of something that was wrong. We have so much freedom now, and there is so much distraction, destructive element that um, we have, our young people have, that we really have to pray for them. But in the end, they are the ones who will have to stand up and know God for yourself, right? Know that he is the son of God and is the only God. There is only one God, and that is the true and living God. There's only one message, and it's the one true gospel that Jesus saved and that we are sinners and that he's coming back to receive us if we are faithful to him. So I know the young people have a lot of distraction, a lot of things that they see there on social media now and everything to distract them. But in the end, it's going to take that individual. And something that has been bugging me that I need to say, those who have you know, been successful, the church has prayed for you, we have counseled with you. Um, I bless a lot of people and... Um, we want everybody to be successful. And once you get successful, never turn your back on God. Never turn your back on that which, you know, have helped you, the church. That has helped you. Yes, you're going to see a lot of stuff out there. You're going to see a lot of things out there. But be faithful to God. Many people have gone back 
um, to the church that they used to attend when they were young, many sports fans and sports um, figures and so, and they have been a blessing to that church. We'd like for the same to happen. And, you know, I, I, I read up a lot of black people now in basketball. They have been successful, and they would go back to their community, and they would go back to their see their church, and they would be a blessing to those who are not as fortunate as they are. So we'd like for you to chew on that and think about it seriously. That is not the end of the road. The Lord is going to rise up some people, raise up some people to speak to kings that perhaps some of us never had the opportunity to, you know. And you are going to have that opportunity now through your educational background to what the Lord has blessed you with to witness to some people. I like for the message and the word and the gospel to follow you wherever you go. That's one thing I admire with 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 Kerit, that every time that you hear him doing an interview, he wants to say thank the Lord and I thank the thank Lord God, for right. me. And I like for that to be the result of everybody as we go on this gospel way. Amen. And that's I Amen. think that's something that's paramount to the gospel, um, one of the things that always um, amazes me, I guess, with Paul, um, and when I look at verse 1, especially of, of chapter 1 in Galatians, when he describes himself as an apostle, that was a major distinction um, yep. that he made, because he was not a part of the elite, and I, I think that's something that's important, especially to our young people, that you, you know, well, to all of us, by extension, we are all very different. When it comes to spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, God has called us with our skill set, with our certain abilities. He knows us by name. He knows us by nature. He understands our weaknesses. He knows our strengths. And he uses us as a vehicle, as a vessel of his, to spread the gospel, right? And when I look at Paul, he was the true example of that because he was, Amen. you know, he was taught by one of the, the greatest rabbis. Um, he grew up, you know, um, I don't want to say that he was rich in essence, but he, he was well-educated. And he worked for what he believed in. He believed his conviction, and he worked according to his conviction. And we see that in the world, that everybody is working or doing um, based on their conviction. And I think we as Christians need to take a page out of that and understand that each and every one of us is called, and we must operate in our conviction. Right? What is the gospel message? The gospel message is that Jesus died for our sins and he's coming back again. Very simple message. But the way we live, again, that's one of the greatest sermons we'll ever preach. And I think as we go through our day-to-day -day lives, we must understand that people are watching, people are looking. And if we call ourselves Christians, there are certain things that we must do and there are certain things that we must say and there is a way that we must live. And that, I think, is very important in understanding our calling. Um, 
and we touched a little bit on it as well, Senior Pastor, where, you know, back in the day, um, in the church today, you know, we are set forth by an institution or a body of believers. And when we look at Paul, he was not set forth by a, an institution or a body of believers. Um, he became an apostle by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. That's what verse 1 says, right? Um, yeah. Paul struggled, yeah. though. Paul struggled with this, this calling. Um, we find in, verse, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 9, he says, I am the least of the apostles. In Romans 7, yes. verse 18, he says, I know that in me nothing good dwells. Right? In Ephesians 3, verse 8, he says, I am less than the least of all the saints. And in 1 Timothy 1, verse 15, he says, Jesus came to save sinners of whom I am chief. So he was very well aware yeah. of his yeah. past, right, and understanding, you know, um, what his responsibilities are now in the kingdom of God. Um, and I think, and I think that that's, this very, is what, that's very important that you say, Pastor O, because of his, his past, he struggled. And I, I want to say to all of us listening today, your past has nothing to do with Jesus. He saved you from your right. past. If you can help it, don't even, Paul talked about it, what he did. He said, I persecuted the church. I, 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 I you know, he, he used to beat them, bring them to justice, and that's what he was doing. Well, he had the letter in his pocket going down to do that when the Lord called him on the, on the Damascus Road. Your past has nothing to do with your present. You know, who you are now, rejoice about it here yeah, because you, your past was just a stepping stone to bring you to Christ. And, and, and some of us past is not good, not good at all. But there is nobody that is a saint. We were all born sinners. The greatest yeah. preacher that you hear now, and Paul, Paul alluded to that, that um, he was a sinner saved by grace. And like I said, thank God that you are saved. Don't dwell on the past. Look to the future. God holds the future in his hands. Right. Now, another distinction that I found in, in chapter 1 um, was how quickly, uh, and Paul uh, pointed it out in verse 6, um, he talked about how quickly the Galatians were turning away from God. They had these false teachers that were coming in and were saying that there were certain requirements that needed to be observed in order to get salvation or in order to come to Jesus Christ. Um, and that was a distinction that I thought was paramount even to today's church um, because there are many churches, many churches, right, that... Um, that are sprouting up all over the place. And in my estimation, there are some of them that are not preaching the true gospel. Um, they're tickling the ears of people, and people are running to them in droves, um, financing their efforts, you know, giving to them. You know, it's all, it, sometimes it, it seems as if there are some that want to um, get rich. They're... I don't know if there are some of you who remember the um, 
the marketing schemes of the 90s, and some are still true today, where you know you have these um, these market levels. You know, you get into this company, and then you start creating your own group, and everybody has to report to you, and then all of a sudden, you know, you start making money off this, and you start making money off that product, and it seems as if the church has become a multi-layer marketing scheme um, where it's all about getting the money and, you know, getting people to believe that, you know, you, when you come to God, you're going to get rich. You know, when it's actually the opposite, that when you come to God, there is a level of suffering um, that's going to take place. And I don't believe that, we're, that the church in general has been teaching that. Can you speak to that as well? how the church has changed over the years um, to becoming, um, instead of God-centric, they're becoming more, um, you know, maybe program-centric. Can you talk to that as well? Right. As, as I said earlier, that our forefathers, and I have said to people, I would not be critical of them. Yes, they didn't do things the, the way that we expected to be done, some of it was not even difficult the way they did it, but they were so careful to protect the name of the church. And some of them did even have a good formal education. But um, the difference is that we have everybody now. I, I went down to Jamaica to the convention last year, and all they were in every session, they were talking about Dr. This and Dr. That and Dr. That. And that kind of grieved my spirit because... We are brothers before we, be, we become ministers, and um, we are ministers before we get, you know, upgraded to pastors and, and things like that. And they have so many doctors now, and the church is even sicker than before, you know. But right. they were so careful to protect the name of the church, and, and that's what Paul encountered here. Salvation does not come by works. And, um, right. We, we have a lot of freedom now. When, when, when I was young, in church of God of prophecy, you could even wear a marital ring. Ladies were not right. allowed to go to the address and have their hair done. That's how strict right. they, they were. They thought that they were doing something that was not biblical. You know, I, I was one of those who confronted them to show me Bible. And they told me about, like, the practical son. I said, but that was not a ring on the, on, on the finger. It was a ring on the hand. And I've never seen a marital ring that, that, that big. And when we spoke and we spoke and we debated and things like that, I asked them, what was the ring given for? In talking of the father's love to the, the son as a welcome home gift, welcome back home. Right. And I said, well, that's why the husband gives the wife a ring is a token of right. his love and his appreciation. So we have come a long way, a long, long right. way. And um, we have a lot of freedom now. You younger ones have a lot of freedom that we didn't have. Your dress had to be of certain length. You could even come right. on the street with sleeveless. You couldn't wear shorts in public. You couldn't go to the beach together. They didn't allow that to happen. You know, they were very, very, very careful. It seemed like it, we have gone overboard now and it has gotten out of hand. 
And I think the Holy Spirit is calling us to come back into a vital relationship with God and let the church right. be the church. It seems like the, the, right. the world is dictating now how the church must be, and it was never in the plan of God. And as, as, as somebody said, the church will not leave the world until the world leaves the church. We have brought in a lot of um, what, what they would call Egyptian garment that, that right. we, we, we are not supposed to be. And um, I don't believe, I will tell you this, I don't believe that the church should be sellers of everything. I see the multi-million dollars churches, if you want to get prayer or if they pray for you, they're going to send your prayer cloth. There is nothing in the cloth, not even the oil that we use sometimes. It's just symbolic. There is nothing in the oil that will heal you. Right. It's faith in God. And no matter what, right. how much prayer cloth they send you, unless you believe in your heart, nothing will take place. So we need to get rid of all of these gimmicks. And I've been saying to some of the preachers, we, we, we have over-simplified the gospel. The only gospel that we need for somebody to be saved is John 3:16, for God so loved the yep. world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And you've always heard me saying that um, the gospel message is simple. It's different from preaching a church message where you go down into historical background and tell you why it happened and what so and so. But for sinners, a gospel message um, for saving grace is John 3.16. And we need to get back to that. Let the church be the church. And that's all he preached. That's what Paul preached. That's what preacher Peter preached. And that's what the early church preached. They didn't preach it up at all. Just, just the gospel that Jesus saved. Now, F.F. Bruce said that there are two things on which Paul preeminently insisted. And it was that salvation was provided by God's grace and that faith was the means by which men appropriated it. That, again, salvation was provided by God's grace and that faith was the means by which men appropriated it. Meaning, salvation is not something that is earned but received by faith in Jesus Christ by way of the cross. There is no other way and there is no other gospel. In fact, Jesus told us, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. So it's important for us to understand the gospel message in these times. And I like actually the, way, the word that you use, gimmicky. The church has become gimmicky. We are always trying to do things to win, to win people over. Um, but some people that are one are still not changed. And that's something that we really have to look at, especially in these times, that we don't become gimmicky or programming, but that, you know, we allow the Holy Spirit to do his work in his time through his people. Um, we also look at the false teachers in Galatia. Um, the word that Paul used, he says that they perverted the gospel. They perverted gospel. the gospel. They had, changed, they had changed the meaning of the gospel to mean 
that you had to work for your salvation. They taught that there were certain religious observances like circumcision and certain rituals required before one becomes a Christian. Um, These were Jewish customs and traditions that did not apply to Gentiles or non-Jews. Paul um, cursed them in verse 8 and 9, explaining that they were subject to God's judgment, and one who does not preach the true gospel is subject to God's judgment. And that's something we have to kind of bear in mind, that when we become gimmicky um, as Christians or as the church, that we are subject to the judgment of God, right? Um, in, now, in chapter 2, and before you go on, Pastor, Paul, also they included in that also the observance of um, certain festival days, um, right. dietary restrictions. And, and we find it in this time, people tell you if you're not baptized in Jesus' name, that you, you right. can go to heaven. False doctrine. When Jesus himself said it in Matthew chapter 28, go ye into all the world. After he came back from the grave and he, he appeared to them, he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So anybody will tell you anything away from that. This is Jesus' word, who is the author of salvation. He brought salvation here, and that's what he said. And um, any other name, if if you're not baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, you might want to think about it again. You know, if your baptism was really right, and I'm not telling you that you have to be rebaptized, but it's something that you need to think about, whether you obey the commandments of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And then another aspect is um, the, the, the Adventist people who tell you, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And we have been through that teaching already, so I'm not going to you know, spend right. time on that. That's another false teaching again. Right, because pretty much, you know, um, we believe as Christians that we ought to keep every day holy to God. We must live holy lives in accordance to his word. And so everything that we do and say ought to be holy. So it's not just um, pertaining to one particular day. And, of course, we, we, we don't have to rehash it because it's, you know, it's the Sabbath It's talking about you know, setting aside some time to replenish and refresh. Um, but that's, you know, again, that's another a discussion for another time. But we must recognize that every day we ought to live holy before the Lord. And that's the bottom line. Um, in chapter 2, Galatians chapter 2, Paul dealt with the Jewish Christians who held to their Jewish customs and isolated yeah. non-Jews from participating in receiving the gospel. Now, Senior Pastor, what I got from this was that there are times when the church does things that isolates people from coming to God. They put certain requirements before them, saying, oh, you need to look like this, or you need to act like that, or you need to be like this, or you need to be like that, before God will even consider you. Um, Can you talk to that a little bit? Because I think there's some confusion at times that people think that they have to be perfect before they come to God. 
Well, you know, those of us who have, those who have been around us have seen that, where some people, and I, I won't call names, um, they, there were certain people who, since we started the Sunshine Ministry, who told me, Pastor, they must sing the old-time songs. And I said, but they don't know it is a different generation, you know, and you don't have a problem here because we mix our worship. We sing the old-time songs. We sing the new songs because they are still writers inspired by God. And I enjoy some right. of the, the, new, the new song, praise and worship songs. Um, to me, nothing goes, I can beat Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Song. But some of the new worship songs, they are good. They bless my heart. You know, so right. no restriction shall be put on anybody. And I say to those of us who are listening today, who are members of the body of Christ, that after this epidemic is finished, we're going to see some people coming. They're not going to look right, right? They're going right. to come with nose ring in their, 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 their hair and, and nose. They're going to come with tattoos. They're going to come all kind of way. As long as they confess Jesus Christ, we should not keep them out of the church. We should not put right. any restriction on them. Um, Jesus said when they come, teach them to observe all things. None of us are perfect. Because if you know about some people, oh, you know, who claim that. <laughs> I, I remember going to the Maxwell the church and after a fasting one day, they were killing the young people and we were bad and we wouldn't keep salvation and things like that. And I held up my hand and asked them if I could say something and the mistake they made was to give me the okay to say something. And I asked them, I said, well, you said you have been saved for 35 years. You have been saved for 30. You have been saved for 25. And you've, you've never been in a backslidden state. You never leave the church. You're not married but you have a daughter that is 20. Explain that to me. And the place went silent. And after that, everybody took me underneath their wings. But so we have to be careful. Every time you point a finger, remember the biggest finger is coming back at you. Point back at you. We should remember that. It's coming right back at you. You set out your hand and see which finger comes back at you. The largest finger on your hand is coming back and you judge that he be not judged. Believe people if they are saved and if they need a little fix-up, that's where we teach them. You know, let the pastor right. and the other ministers sit down and train them and tell them what to do. But anybody that has confessed Christ as their Lord, whether they be a Rasta man or whatever, the church must accept them. It's not about us. It's about their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And some of them are going to need fixing up and need training and things like that. But that's where we, the church comes in. And I think that's something sure. that we need, to, we need to express because one of the things that I find is that, you know, we, we live almost like a weekly life. So majority of the time, some people pick up their Bible only on a Sunday when they come to church. Then Monday through Saturday, they live alternate lifestyles. Um, and so one of the challenges of the church is for us to help people to recognize and realize their purpose and their potential in God. And it has become very difficult in these times. You had talked about it earlier where um, 
there are so many distractions. There are so many things that are pulling and tugging at us from different aspects, from different corners of the world, um, you know, from our, from our secular life or, or secular profession um, or education or um, socioeconomic issues, um, governmental or political issues. Um, so many things pulling at us from different aspects of the world. And I think Paul explained to us, he, he, as I was saying earlier to you, senior pastor, he called it the gospel of uncircumcision because he was, yes. you know, the, the Jews were talking to the Jews. They were not really, you know, communicating with the Gentiles. And if they were, they were saying to the Gentiles, hey, if you're going to come to this new gospel, so to speak, or this gospel of Jesus Christ, you still have to adhere to certain rules and regulations. Um, you still have to observe certain festivals. You still have to do this, and you still have to do that. And my concern is that the church is kind of getting back to that again. Um, but there is a liberty, right? When you come to Jesus Christ, there is a liberty. You know, he's come to set you free. You know, free from Amen. everything, free from the Mosaic law, free from your sins, free from, you know, all the things that people would put on you, the pressures, right? All the things of the expectations. There are some people when they come to when they come to church, they're expected to be this. They're expected to do that. They're expected to, you know, to dress like this or talk like that. And as you said before, you know, especially with this virus, it has allowed the church to kind of take a step back and look at the condition of the world and realize that people are still in need of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And, and this was what was happening to, to um, Paul and Peter in that um, Peter, when he was behind, um, not in public, he would sit with some of those because um, Peter was overseer for the Jewish people and Paul was overseer for the Gentiles people, us. And, and um, Peter, the Lord had to take him up to Cornelius' house to show him right. the vision of the ladder, you know, with the beast coming down from heaven and the Spirit said to him, rise, kill and eat and him say to God you know he was talking to God you know God that I don't do that I don't do that right. I don't eat anything common and or unclean and the Lord unclean. actually rebuked him and said shut up Peter using my own terminology shut up Peter whatever I I cleanse or whatever I've made don't call it common or unclean and we could go down a whole nother road with this because in some places they eat crickets in some places they eat dogs. In some places they right. eat bullfrogs. You know, so we 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 have no right to tell them that they are wrong because we don't eat it. You know, it's not in eat and drink. That's not that's not salvation. But Peter here came face to face, or Paul came face to face, and 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 um, talked to Peter right here, um, rebuke him face to face in public. Because whatever he was doing was seen by the public. You cannot have two standards. You cannot have double standard. One right. way 
to have one way to heaven, not anything and nothing at all will prevent you because you wear a sleeve that dress on the road and I'm not an advocate for that, that you, you should, but time is so hot now. I remember when, when, when um, the pants came to Jamaica, so they tell you, you couldn't, the ladies couldn't wear pants because it's a man's model. Right. I used to work at the place and I said, no, no, there are some things that are unisex, you know, and I said, would you love to see your wife if she works at the place and she has to climb up on a ladder and expose herself with the men down there looking up and things like that? You know, so there's a lot of things for us to learn. Salvation right. is not in meat and drinks. Anything that does not conflict with the Bible, we are on safe ground. Safe, safe right. ground at all. So again, I say, you're going to see some people come that don't look like us, that don't act like us, that don't talk like us, receive them as long as they say that they are saved. We will receive them, baptize them, and teach them the way of the Lord. Okay. Yeah, and, right, and, and, you know, to kind of close things out, the, the, you know, when we talk about the wearing of certain clothing and, and so forth and so on, there are certain parts, and I've, I've often made um, an argument for this. There, in, in certain parts of the world, men don't wear pants, right? They wear certain garments. Um, so yep. I think clothing is specific to a particular culture, even a particular type of job or occupation. Um, it just depends on where you were brought up. It depends on, you know, how you know, how you were in your culture, where you are from, and, and, and things like that. So it's important for us to recognize that when we put a barrier in front of someone that is trying to reach to God, I think about the woman with the issue of blood. As she was trying to reach to God, people, she was pushing through the crowd, it was the crowd of people that became her barrier, right? It wasn't like she had to crawl over a stone or, you know, she had to climb up on a mountain. People were her barrier. She was so weak, and she was just trying to get to Jesus. And we can, you know, draw from that example and say that there are so many people that are trying to reach to Jesus, but we the people, we the church, have become barriers them. Some people don't even want to set foot in a church door anymore because of the barriers, because of the things that we place in front of them. We're preventing them from reaching to Jesus. And my hope and my prayer is that we start breaking down the barriers so people can come to church and really reach out to Jesus. You know, that song, Reach Out and Touch the Lord, as he passes by, there are people that are going to come that are going to look differently. They're going to have different belief systems, different culture, different traditions. And all we need to do is preach the one true gospel. Jesus died on the cross for your sins, right? For God so loved the world. Amen. John chapter 3, verse 16, right? So, if you can, Senior Pastor, as we close out this particular session, pray for those individuals that are trying to reach to Jesus, but, you know, they have been hurt by church folk, 
Um, they're, they're going through personal issues um, that are, they feel are preventing them from really surrendering their life to the Lord. Some of them have personal challenges, personal issues. Some of them have become like doubting Thomas. They are doubting their salvation. They are doubting their calling. If you can, pray for them at this time that God will really reach to them in their time of need. Yeah, and let me just say before we the prayer that we're not giving, you know, anybody the right we're not telling you now that you must come to church half naked. We're not saying that at all. <laughs> but we are saying that some people will be saved and, and the women's department will deal with this. You know, because some men are guilty too. Sometimes our pants too tight. Right. You know, so that is not just the ladies. But we're not saying that. As they dress up and come to church, dress like um, in your Sunday best and meet the king, you know. But the person who just gets saved might not even have a church garment. So they're going to come right. the way that they are. You know, so we should not, um, you know, criticize them. We should um, pray for them and love on them, you know. And if you can, if you see that, just take some money and invite them out to a store and buy them some church garment if you want them to, to dress like, you know, I don't know what this church garment really Father, we just thank you today for opening up our understanding to your words. They are your words, and they give life. We thank thee for your blood that was shed for us upon Calvary. You die that all men can be saved. And those who confess you, believe in their heart, and they confess with their mouth that you are God, that we are sinners, and that we are in standing need of a Savior. We will be and can be and shall be saved. And we pray, God, that you will save us. Our society has sink, oh God, into a place where we wonder what will happen. But we know you are God. And right now, you're appearing to somebody. Right now, you're whispering to somebody that you are my child. We are your children. We are sinners saved by grace. And we thank you for your saving grace. And anybody listening today that is not fully convicted in their heart, we pray that the Holy Spirit right now will open up their heart. As we used to sing, swing your heart doors wide open. And let him come in. If we confess, Lord, if we believe in our heart, then we shall be saved. Save people, we pray. When this epidemic is finished, we pray, God, and we open up the doors of the church wherever we worship. We pray that people will flow into, into it. Give us understanding. Give us a heart of love and a heart of compassion. Not to be critical, but to love on people. Because, God, you want people to come to heaven. That's why you gave your life. That's why you died. So that the gates could be opened. And although the road is broad and many are going down to destruction, we pray, God, that you will set many on the narrow road. Because you will open up the gate one day when you come back. You will open up the floodgate and you will say, well done, 
Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee rule over many. And those of us who are saved and those of us who, have to, who are ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, help us to be tolerant. Help us to be faithful. Help us to understand the message and understand our calling and have the love of Jesus in our heart, knowing where some of us are coming from and what you save us from. And your forgiveness was there for us when we messed up, O oh God. And I pray that you will give us a heart of tolerance, a heart that will love people, that we will accept them into the body of Jesus Christ, regardless of who they are. Spanish, Asian, black, white, regardless of who they are, that the church doors will be opened up for those who want to come in. Bring them in, Lord. Bring them in. Bring them in from darkness. Bring them in from the field of sin. Bring them in from everywhere that together we will meet you in the clouds of heaven. Remember those who are hurting today. Remember those who are sad. Remember those, oh God, who need a touch from your mighty hand. Touch today that we will be able to sing, he touched me and all the joy that flood my soul. Make something happen. Oh God, that we will be able to rejoice in thee. We thank thee. We thank thee for those who are saved, who have confessed as Lord and King. Help us not to be weary in well-doing, knowing that we shall reap if we faint not. We thank thee today. We thank you for your shed blood. Oh God, we just came out of the resurrection season. But oh God, every day you're resurrecting people from dead works, righteousness. And so we thank thee today. And we pray for the world at large. Oh God, those who are in situations and places where they cannot um, call your name openly, we pray for them today that, oh God, strength, added strength, will be given to them. We thank thee, O oh Lord. And we say, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you today. Thank you.